Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, can I help you find something? Librarians specialize in helping you find what you were looking for, and sometimes what you didn't know you were looking for. Thank you for joining me as I talk to my guests about all things library, including the books inside them. I'm Julie Chavez, and this is Ask a Librarian. John Shu has made a career out of advocating for the people and things he cares about most, kids, books, and the people that connect them. He was named a library journal mover and shaker for his dynamic interactions with students and his passionate adoption of new technologies as a means of connecting authors, illustrators, books, and readers. He is the children's librarian for Bookalicious, a part-time lecturer at Rutgers University, and shares his love of reading with countless educators and students around the world. In addition to being an author, he served as the ambassador of school libraries for scholastic book fairs for almost six years. Here is my wonderful conversation with John. Mr. Shu, thank you so <laughs> much for being with me today. I'm so ple- pleased to meet you. Well, I'm so pleased to meet you. Thank you so much for talking about my favorite things today, books and libraries. You know, it's so exciting for me because I was going through all of your information and reading your books and doing all the things. And I thought, oh, I know what we're going to talk about. And it's so exciting. I feel the same way. I could talk about books all day. So, and, and I know that I know that's your business. So tell me, so for my people that don't know about you, would yep. you mind just giving me a little bit about you? Yeah, I would love to. Um, so I graduated from college with a degree in elementary education, and I entered college knowing I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. I would tell everyone that I was going to be an elementary school teacher. So when I graduated, I became a second grade teacher, and I taught second grade for one year. And then I got promoted, and I taught third grade for three years, and they were three magical years. And then it was my turn to switch grade levels again. So then I went up to fourth grade, and the best thing is, is I was looping with my students, which oh, is wow. a really magical experience because you know every child on the first day of school. And then I went to library school, and one day my principal came into my fourth grade classroom and said, John, would you please become our school librarian next year? And I always ask kids during school visits, do you think I said yes or no to my principal? And they all said, you said yes. And I said, no, I said, no, <laughs> I was not ready to become a school librarian yet. But she manipulated me and convinced me. And so I did become the school librarian where I had been a classroom teacher. And I loved that I was so familiar right away with the mm. curriculum from having been a classroom teacher in the district and really understood what the teachers were looking for and, and the reading lives of so many kids before taking on that role. So I stayed as a school librarian for nine years. And after 13 years at my school, I left to become the ambassador of school libraries for Scholastic Book Fairs. And I did that for six years 
four of which I really did my job. Uh, two of those years were during COVID. And, and now I'm writing my own stories and I'm the children's librarian for an online independent bookshop called the Bookalicious. So that, that's the Reader's Digest version of me. That is quite a Reader's <laughs> Digest version. Very impressive. Obviously, you've delivered that before. <laughs> I have. Thank you for sharing that. I love hearing oh, about you. how people got to where they are. So going back a little bit, how did you, what was it that made you want to be a teacher initially? So when I was a kid, I would come home from school every single day during elementary school, and I would recreate the lessons of my teachers. And so if we had learned about similes and metaphors, my imaginary, and they were only imaginary students, at one time I did have real people who would play school with me, but I was very controlling and very bossy because it was not, it was not pretend school, it was real school. And I, was, I took school very seriously in my bedroom. I mean, I had a big teacher desk. I had student desks. I had a grade book. I had a seating chart. I would change my bulletin board every single month. I had a chalkboard. I had a dry erase board. And so I think I was just born to be a teacher. And I spent just so much of my childhood imagining what it would finally be like to be a teacher, which is why I think as an elementary school major, I wanted everyone to know that I was going to be an elementary school teacher. So a hundred percent. So I'm playing school is what made me want to be a teacher. Playing school. And so shocking that your friends wouldn't want to continue to be involved with that. That's so yeah, weird. It's very serious. Like I, I got out, of, I realized that playing, I realized that playing school was actually very therapeutic because like I was a kid at school who was very shy and didn't like mm. being called on and always had my head down and never stood up for myself. But at home in my imaginary classroom, I well, what was felt real to me, but the students were imaginary. Sure. Um, I was I was able to like get out a lot of my feelings and emotions and say things that I couldn't say at school. So I think that's why I played school probably longer in, in, for a longer period of time than most kids do. Like when they okay. they say, "Okay, I'm done now playing school because all of my life is spent at school. Why do I want to continue it when I get home? If that makes sense. I'm processing that, this as I'm saying it a lot. That makes total sense to me because I'm listening to you thinking about, I was a, I am a talk to process kind of person, which is shocking. Hello. But um, I was a talk to myself person. So I would get home mm. and just be in my room kind of talking to myself. And I think a lot of it is that, right, you're right. There's so much that happens in a school day that mm. is out of your control, unexpected. And then if you are a little bit more on the quiet side, it can be really overwhelming. So yeah, to come home and kind of yeah. redo some of that to feel like it's a little bit more in your control and then practice it for the future. I mean, that makes total yeah. sense to me. That's amazing. <laughs> It's, yeah, it was a space to practice a lot of things. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and all kids need that, right? I think that's one of the values of a library or one of the valuable parts of the mm. library is being a different space in school where the expectations are a little bit yeah. less and they can control. A little well, more. that's why oftentimes kids do better in the library setting than in the classroom setting. And and I saw as a school librarian that, well, actually, I'm going to quote Pamun as Ryan because it's much more succinct than I will be, Perfect. which is that um, a school library is often a safe place for the student you least expect. Yes. And, and that's so true. It is so true. Oh, yeah. I love that. I can't believe you looped 
for that many years because looping is awesome and it's also insane because the well, kids it is. get so comfortable <laughs> with you. Well, and also like you have to learn, you have to learn a whole new curriculum every single yes. year. <laughs> Man, you really started out hard there. So, uh, well, also I get bored really easily. So I think Do that's you? good. Like that's where like, I, I love the position I'm in now, which is mostly doing school visits. And yeah. every day is really like the first day of school for me where I'm meeting them for the first time they're meeting me for the first time i have to build trust right away right. and then i take them through this journey in which i encourage them to open their hearts and open their minds and open their imaginations but i think it's because of all of the looping and changing and being a school librarian where every single moment is different every single day that i don't i think it's much easier to get bored yes that really <laughs> makes sense i didn't even think of that i was trying to explain to my husband why being a librarian or you know being in the library at our school can be overwhelming and it is it's just constant constant mm. interruption unexpected change people are coming in and out i mean it's just like it's an overwhelming place but you're right yeah. which is why it has to be yeah it has to be a very flexible space too because yes. of that Yes. Yeah. Oh, I really do long sometimes for rigidity. There are some days where I'm like, everyone needs to sit in their chair. No one should talk at all. How about that? <laughs> so those are those are the best days. I'm sure the kids are loving that. They're like, oh, Mrs. Chavez is on one. Look no, out. that's good. Yeah, we all have days like that. <laughs> it's so true. Well, I want to talk a little bit about, so obviously you were a reader growing up. So you go into your current position, Scholastic uh and working with Scholastic and now Bookalicious. But when did it come to you that you wanted to write as well? Or was that always yeah. sort of a simmering dream for you? <laughs> well, I was a kid who plagiarized stories a lot. <laughs> I think that's the, the best way to explain it. Where I remember, like, I had the whole set of Little Bear uh, illustrated by Marie Sendek. Yes. And I really, like, I wanted to write something like that when mm -hmm. I was probably, like, six or seven. Again, remember that I would recreate every lesson of the teacher. So I must have, must have had a teacher then who was reading a lot of those books all the time because yes. I fell in love with them. And so it was what I would do is I would just copy word for word and then I would say it was my own story. And so I think <laughs> it started there, which is like modeling, right? And a mentor tag. Of course, um, yes. And then I didn't see myself as a writer for most of my life. Mm -hmm. And then someone named Molly O'Neill came into my life, who at the time was an editor at HarperCollins. And she was in the town where I live, which is Naperville, uh, for a book event with Veronica Roth, who was about to launch Divergent. And uh, she, Molly O'Neill was the editor of Divergent. And so anyway, there was this pre-publication event where local kids came together to discuss the book with the author. Mm -hmm. And it was the author's first time ever discussing the book with kids. And so some of my students came and Molly was just really impressed with how I worked with my students. And so she'd reached out to me to see if I was interested in writing or if I had stories in my heart that I wanted to tell. And I said, no. <laughs> and then she'd come <laughs> back and, and she'd ask again six months later and I'd say, no. And then Molly left HarperCollins and became an agent. And in 2017, when Amy Krause Rosenthal died, mm. I finally said, I am ready to write. And it was because of something that Amy Krause Rosenthal said in a conversation with her then 19-year-old daughter, Paris Rosenthal, 
Rosenthal that finally encouraged me to email Molly O'Neill and say I'm ready to write. And that sentence that she said in the conversation is make the most of your time here. And so at the age of 35, I started writing and I haven't stopped since. Oh, I'm oh, yeah. so glad Sorry, that, that you did. Really no, it was a perfect answer. I love it. I really liked uh, it's so interesting to hear you say that because one of the things that I pulled out of this is a school was some people see what we're good at and that helps us to know it too. Yeah. And And that's exactly true that Molly saw that in me. Yeah. And I always say that, like, I am so grateful for Molly O'Neill because she saw something in me that I didn't see at the time. And I love that stanza from This is a School that you just shared, because it's the one that most people quote. And it's the one that really resonates with teachers and really resonates with kids who are like me as a child, who were shy. And the little boy in that spread, his Mm -hmm. name, they all have names, by the way, uh, even though their names are not. His name is Noah and he's the most like me where you can see Noah um, is the boy with the striped shirt who uses a wheelchair and at the beginning of the year he's very anxious and he's very nervous and you see throughout the school year that he opens up and he opens up because of art and because of the art teacher who sees something in him so that that is my favorite thread throughout this is a school that Veronica Miller Jameson created so thank you for quoting it oh absolutely I read it and I just thought oh I put my hand in my chest. I just, I love that. I love that feeling. And I know that feeling of connection that you can have with a child, but then also for myself, I know that one of my mom's friends many years ago, uh, she was a handwriting analyst and actually testified in court cases and all these things. But she had, I had written her a note and she wrote to my mom and said, Julie is artistic. Does she know that about herself? <laughs> and I didn't. I had never thought I had an ounce of anything in my body because I had put it as, oh, I am, I was thinking more, I can't draw, so I'm not artistic. Mm-hmm. And so these ideas that someone can speak into our lives, especially an adult or another person once we are adults, someone can say yeah. to you, I see this in you and you don't see it in yourself. I mean, that's a miracle that we can do that for each other. So I'm so glad you've experienced that. And that's one of the power of teacher-student relationship, teacher-librarian relationship, librarian-student relationship is that you see those things in them and you you point them out and you help them achieve their goals through that. So yeah, that's that's so important. Well, that's so interesting. I wonder what somebody would say about my handwriting. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Shu has... (laughs) not good. I tell my husband all the time that he has serial killer handwriting because some of it I'm like, this is some real chicken scratch, man. What are you doing? Yeah, mine is very sloppy. (laughs) Well, I remember when I was an elementary school major, we had to take a handwriting test. Oh, yeah. And we had to do a a Zaner Blozer test and a Danelian test. And I spent so much time filling out workbooks. <laughs> and for a while, I had like the perfect, te- well, per- we're putting perfect in quotes. Perfect, yes, teacher yes. handwriting, yeah. I love teacher handwriting. <laughs> I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay, because now you're an author too, so no problem. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I want to talk a little bit about the most recent book that came out, which is mm. This is a Story. Yay. Which I also <laughs> loved and truly was especially moved by it this week, just as the news has been just awful. And the line that I want to start with is sometimes, well, actually, let's do this. Why don't you give us the brief, what is this, this is a story about? 
Technically, I'm going to talk about the origin of this is a story first. Yeah, yeah. So actually, you talked about this is a school. I wrote this is a school in the year 2019, and it came out in the year 2022. I wrote this is a story in the year 2017, and it just came out on March 14th, 2023. So I actually wrote this is a story first, and I used this as a story as a mentor text to write this is a school, and it's Mm. so interesting now that everybody talks about this is a school first, whereas I I wrote this is a story first. And I wrote this is a story because there was a point, and there still is, a point in my school visits toward the end Mm -hmm. where I have the students turn and repeat after me a message of hope and a message of what story does for us and Mm -hmm. a message of connection through story and how stories make us more compassionate and how stories um, help us develop empathy and all of these things. And I kept trying to find a book that was like that and that was short enough that I could read at the end of my presentations and I couldn't find it. And so I wrote it. Mm. And so this is a story came from a very specific part in school visits where I wanted to summarize everything that we had just gone through and what I truly believe is like the heart of libraries and how stories can can change us forever. And so this is a story is my love letter to libraries and librarians and to students. And I love that in the illustrations, Lauren has to create the real story, which is about a little girl named Greta. Her name is not in the book. And her brother, Liam, his name is also not in the book. I, I insisted that she named the characters. Of course. So thank you, Lauren Castillo. Good and job. And they're Lauren. going, they're going to the library. And along the way, they stop and they fly Greta's seahorse kite. And then when they get to the library, the librarian, who looks a lot like me, mm-hmm. <laughs> sees that she's holding a seahorse kite and knows the perfect book for her. Mm-hmm. And then we go on a journey where we see how books open our imaginations and how, again, books connect us. And you see a variety of readers experiencing stories that many of which are real books. And so mm-hmm. there are many Easter eggs. I think there's 44 Easter eggs that are hidden throughout the book. So again, it's my love letter to libraries, librarians, and, and children. Oh, I loved it. Loved <laughs> well, it. I you. cannot wait to read no, it. No, I love well, Lauren's art is so beautiful. And it was worth waiting all of those years because of her very busy schedule. I mean, I'm glad you did. Good for you. (laughs) But you know, that's such a note to even picture books taking so long to develop and go through. So that's amazing. I, I really, it was moving. And I can see, even when I read them, they definitely do mirror each other. This is a school and this is a story. So I can kind of see that. Yeah, structure. Yes, yes. I loved the (laughs) line, sometimes humans need help connecting. Yeah, thank you. That just, and... The illustrations were so perfect. And I know you said about Lauren's art, it reminds you books can be the perfect prescriptions to let us know we're not alone. Yeah, yeah. That's the power of story. Yes. (laughs) It can be. Well, actually, and I'm so glad you you quoted the two scenes, the the scene in This is a School and the scene in This is a Story that resonates the most with me Mm. and that the most people now, we're we're talking with This is a Story only being out for two weeks. Right. uh, And that's the scene people keep coming to. And I'm so, so grateful that my editor, my editor and I eventually agreed with each other that I could keep the word connecting. Because at one time she wanted me to remove that word. And I said, no, there's no other word that could fit here. And she just thought that the word maybe wasn't 
wasn't right. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that she agreed eventually that it was the right word because that scene would be so different without that word. Absolutely. It really was the right word to put there. So, and that's what's so amazing, the distillation with picture books. I mean, that you're arguing over one word, right? Yeah. It, well, but it there really aren't that many that words. And so they all count, you know? Like the last decision we made before we sent the manuscript to Lauren yeah. was, does the book end with a period or does it end with an exclamation mark? Because in the original poem, it ended with a period, which means now it ends with an exclamation mark. And I'm a total exclamation mark person, so I can't believe I didn't already end it with an exclamation <laughs> mark. But I remember my editor, Karen Law, said something like, is it too bouncy to end with an exclamation mark? And I said, no, we need an exclamation mark after the word everything. Yes, <laughs> I think it's perfect. It really, it makes it hopeful and it ends on the right note. It's perfect. Yeah, oh, yeah the big everything. exclamation yes. mark. <laughs> I did like that. Well, I'll share one, one more fun fact. Please. Is I, share, I shared with you all, the little girl, her name is Greta. The little boy is Liam. And his stuffed animal is actually my cat. My cat is named Lou Grant. And he's always a big part of my presentations. And I love now, after I bring up the three videos of my cat doing a variety of things, I say, and my cat is a stuffed animal in This Is A Story. I'm not sure how he feels about that, but... Well, I mean, It'll forever I, be in the book. I think he'd be flattered. <laughs> I mean, of course, who wouldn't be, right? I love that you named them. That makes so much sense, especially yeah. because how much you talk about the book and yeah, you know what I mean I, during I the get process. To say Greta. Yes, as opposed to the girl yeah. or the boy or brother, sister. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I would have to explain their names are not in the book. Um, and so, with this is a sto- with this is the. Sto- school, yes. Veronica shared with me a lot of the backstory of the kids too, mm. which is really fun. And so I'm able to say like, this person is from her life and she modeled it after this person. And it really shows them like the collaboration. And yes. now once I turn over my poem, Veronica gets to do her job without me like, you know, saying, no, that's not how I see it. That's wrong. No, that's, that's right. Um, she gets to have her own experience with it. Mm. And then, you know, that's so, that seems to create so much better work, but that's yes. a really challenging thing for an author or a writer to, to release fully. But I think it's so good when people Important can do too. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other, nobody needs a micromanager in their life. You yeah, know, it it's so wonderful to get all of these surprises, you oh know, when they, I mean, they do every single time you get something from my experience, every yeah. time I get emotional, <laughs> oh. you know, it's like. So many tears, especially when I got a copy of This is a Story for the first time oh. after, you know, writing it in 2017, as I said. How could you not? I mean, it really is watching something come to life. And it's so cool. I've only seen it with cover design, but having someone, you know, understand what you're trying to do and translate that into a visual medium is just, yeah. I I am wowed by artists and illustrators what they do is incredible so i i cannot wait to read this book to my friends and really share oh, with you. everyone i know like a, <laughs> i you. mean actually i will say though unfortunately now i have teenagers and i told one of my teenagers we're thinking about a birthday gift today and i was like what about a book and they said no and i was like you know oh. <laughs> you're the worst children i've ever had so i'm going to need you to go yeah, we're done go to school get out Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I also loved, I have to say that in This Is a Story, you have uh, Juana and Lucas. And I actually, uh, Juana Medina is going to be a guest on Ask a Librarian soon. So I'll have to ask her about it. So it just... I loved seeing those books. I love that. Oh, me too. Seeing books in other books is one of my favorite things. Yeah, me too. Well, and, and, and a lot of times they're generic covers because it's a lot of work to get yes. all of the, the permission. So Lauren oh, worked really, really hard. And then also to always make, to always, I always want people to understand as well that they're not, it's not like a copy of the book. Like it's not just like photocopied in there or scanned in there. They're all in Lauren's style. Yes. And so you'll see like her style is, is different from a lot of the illustrators who she's illustrating. But I love that like Lauren has Theo is illustrating the cover in Lauren's style. Yes, yeah. it's an homage. I don't to know it. if I explained that well, but I think some people think like, oh, it's just like a copy of it. But no, Lauren, like she drew it in her own way. Correct. <laughs> she didn't drag it in on Canva. Everybody, yes, exactly. Right? Like you and I would have to do. <laughs> yes, yes. Because nobody wants to see my recreation of those covers. <laughs> yeah, which is why it was a long time to get permission for every oh my single gosh. one of them. But. I actually noticed that when I turned the last yeah. page. That page of permissions made me sweaty just looking at yeah. it. Yeah. And oh. then on the poster, when you take off the dust jacket, there's yes. a poster. And then the credits at the bottom of the poster, too. So, But you know what's so important? Because that's exactly a testament to why we value those permissions and that because... Yeah. People put so much work and heart and attention into these things, and that should be yeah. recognized. And yeah, we don't just grab well, it and use it. It was it was the same for my book, The Gift of Story, my professional book, where yes. that required a lot of permissions. I spent probably six months getting permissions for all of those because every single I have lots I have uh, lots of headshots; those all needed permission. Yep. Plus, all of the book covers needed permission, and and excerpts from various books needed permission. So I was very I was able to to give Lauren lots of advice before she started. Good for you. I've only (laughs) written one book and my major takeaway was I walked away from the uh, Penguin Random House form that I Mm. filled out and I sent it and I said, I'm never quoting anyone again. (laughs) It's a lot of work. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Forget this. So yeah, yeah, I'm so glad you did though because it, it really, and I'm so glad that Lauren did that because it creates so much more of a world that we enter and a world yeah. that we know. So I 
I thought it was well, and, and also is really Lauren had to always balance making sure that the covers didn't become too primary, like yes. that it didn't become the story didn't become about those books. Yes. That really it was about the book that Greta checks out about the yeah. seahorses, as well as the experience the kids are having. And she did a really good job where it didn't the covers could have taken over the entire reading experience. Absolutely, you're right, and then it becomes kind of a checklist sort of situation. Yeah. What are you reading right now? Do you read adult novels as well? I I don't. I don't. Okay. I mean, I, I I love I love children's books as like a professional thing as well as as a hobby. Absolutely. Um, so right now I'm in a, in a strange situation that I never thought I would be in, where I just finished revising what I hope is the last draft of a book I have coming out in 2024 called Louder Than Hunger, uh, which is in in my librarian brain is for second semester of sixth grade and up. And if you've ever worked with sixth grade, you know, first semester and second semester are very, very different. Very different. Or we could just say grade seven and up. Okay. And so as I've been revising that, I haven't been reading a lot of middle grade or middle school fiction. I've stayed away from it oh, because sorry. I was finding it was distracting me when I was revising that my, my inner saboteur, my inner critic would become really, really loud when I was reading other people's work. So mm. I think in a few days I can go back to like reading beyond picture books. So I'm reading stacks of picture books every single week, but I'm, I'm not, I'm taking a break right now from novels, which has been really hard for me, but also really healthy for me as a writer. That makes so much sense. That's such a good tip because it's true. The inner critic does love to say, hey, that person's a much better writer than you. <laughs> yes, yeah. And because I'm not revising a picture book right now, it's, it's not happening when I'm reading picture book. Totally. Yeah. They're just, the yeah. inner critic is distracted by the pictures. And yeah, so like, yeah. But I'm the same way. Like when I'm working on uh, a picture book manuscript, I tend to avoid reading picture books. That's so smart. Yeah. What a yeah. good tip. So I, mean, I have a big stack to read. So the book that I'm going to hopefully start reading over the weekend is uh, called Mirror to Mirror. And it is a novel in verse. Again, I've avoided novels in verse for an entire year well, uh, because of writing one. <laughs> so I have lots of novels in verse I want to read. That's so <laughs> exciting. So you have that. So kind of upper middle grade yeah. novel coming out. Are you working? Do you, I mean, do you kind of have a sense of where you're going next or do you just yeah so i have a, I have i'll have two books coming out next year i okay. have uh louder than hunger which will be my first middle school book so uh exciting. you know not middle grade it, oh, it's sorry. really fault no 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 right. well it's why well, it's it's i have to keep correcting myself because we always say middle grade but middle grade is ages eight to twelve yes where this book is really grade seven and up okay. and there was just an article in publishers weekly i, I think it was publishers weekly about librarians saying like we need more books that have like a 13 and 14 year old as the protagonist and that's where my book does fall in where the main character is 13 at the beginning and then he turns 14 so it's 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 attending to that need okay um and so, so so next year i'll have that and then i have a very very sweet picture book coming out next year that's not part of the this is a dot 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 universe <laughs> okay it's called the it's called the poetry place is our space and it's about a girl named ruthie rose i named all the characters in this one oh, who wakes up in the morning and she has this big bright beautiful idea and she knows the perfect people at school to help her put this idea into place and it's currently being illustrated by, by holly haddam 
who is the illustrator of Dear Girl and Dear Boy by Amy Cross Rosenthal. Oh. Well, and Paris Rosenthal. So, yeah. So that, that's what's coming up. <laughs> I love that. So exciting. I'm so glad you're writing books. And I can't wait <laughs> oh, to read. Thank you. Because I agree with you. There's a big gaping hole between middle grade and YA. YA, there is. Yeah. I mean, and mine, like mine could, like, I, I would not call it YA, but it, it's like, it's like that. Well, it's that 13, 14 that yeah. we don't know what to call. And so right. I just started saying middle school. Middle school. You know, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Well, I think that that is exciting. I can't wait to read it. Oh, and... thank you. I hope I can't wait for people to read it because it means that it's done. Oh my gosh, the revising <laughs> process I, will yeah. drive anyone to well, distraction. Well, the, the fourth draft was the hardest. The because I was adding a lot in the fourth draft and the fifth draft, which I just, I think I just finished, um, was a lot of taking away. Okay. So it, you know, in some ways it's easier to take away because you've already written it and it's just saying oh. goodbye. You know, I used to, uh, I've gotten better about letting go of things. Okay. Like I used to say, no, like I work so hard on that. Yeah. Like I spent days and days writing that. How can you just say I have to get rid of it? And, and that happened all the time when I wrote The Gift of Story. And I eventually right. said, you know what? I get to keep it. I get to keep it for myself. I get to put it into presentations. And I eventually had to say that for Louder Than Hungers. You know, I wrote the poem. I still have it. It mm -hmm. just means that people that buy the book aren't going to have it. But it will be a part of the story that I still tell. Mm. Yeah. I love that. And uh, I can share during presentations that these are all the poems that were cut. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, here are all the rejects. You want to be in on this? Well, it's so necessary. But yes, watching your own toil and sweat and tears just get axed by an editor yeah. where they're like, nope, the whole chapter gone. And you're just like, oh, my gosh. Uh, in the end, they're always right. I mean, they they're are. almost always right. Almost yeah. always. Almost always. Yeah. Or they come around Because you're your too way close. Yes. Because you're too close at the time. Yeah. I mean, the last stage for me always before turning something in is I try to read it as a reader, mm -hmm. um, which can be hard at times, but it's really, really helpful when you just are like, is a reader going to be, like, you know, way more than the reader already does. And yes. sometimes they just assume they know what I'm thinking yes. when I was writing this. Yes. And then when I try to read it like a reader, be like, oh yeah, a reader probably will be confused here. I'm assuming they're going to know what I mean here. Or and That happened a lot with my editor like to, to me with my editor like how doesn't she know that's what i'm saying here like right. of course it's so obvious and then i walk away from it for a day and i'm like oh yeah she, she was really right i guess i see what you're saying <laughs> yeah. i'll have my humble yeah. pie now thank you <laughs> yes, yes it is i really like that you're putting words to that experience because it is such a process and there's so much about writing and especially specifically publishing that is really a path to kind of growth and self-awareness because you do have to oh, get yes. honest about your blind spots and what yeah. you're not willing to give up on. And it's, it's yeah. a challenge. You have to one. be, you have to be very vulnerable too. I always tell kids like writing is an act of vulnerability, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I mean, the story louder than hunger, which I didn't really say what it's yeah. about. It's about sure. me when I was in middle school and in high school. And so it's my own story that now over five drafts has, has been, a lot of fiction has been added to yes. my own experience, yes. um, which I think is good because I have more distance than from the, the main character. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to look at the main character in a different way. I'll always 
probably say he is, you know, he he's always me, sure. but we don't have the same name and that helps. Like my name is John E. Shu and his name is Jake E. Stacy. So we have okay. the same initials, but yeah, you'll, you'll spend, you'll spend a year with me on the page during one of the most difficult times of my life. Mm. Well, I can't wait to read it. I'm sure that it will be very much like you have been today, which is just open and honest and (laughs) a delight. This has been so great. (laughs) And, you know, I think there's such a thank you for telling that story, because I think, uh, especially in that time of life, I think Mm. the isolation can be crushing. So for kids to see themselves on the page or to understand another's experience is beyond valuable. Yeah, so because I don't, I don't do a lot of middle school visits, but last week I did three middle school visits. Wow. And so I spent a lot of time with sixth and seventh graders. Okay. And with the, the first school, I talked about Louder Than Hunger with grade six and grade seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they like emotionally could handle Louder Than Hunger. And then another school I went with, I realized right away, the sixth graders weren't emotionally ready to talk about it. And so I was able to just pivot it and go on to something else, which really then reminded me it's probably best for grade seven and up. But when you're standing in front of 300 seventh graders and you talk about your own experiences with obsessive compulsive disorder and with anxiety and with that, with depression, you see a a lot of them, like, like their eyes get bigger and their hearts become a little bit more open. And then they come up to you after and they say, you know, I have obsessive compulsive disorder and I have depression and thank you so much for talking about it. And and they see that now, like I am a well-adjusted person who has had a lot of therapy who has gotten to the other side of a a lot of things and i think that then gives a lot of hope that i too can i'm in a battle for a long time but i too can overcome these things and learn strategies to help me you know still live a healthy and productive life yeah gosh who doesn't need to hear that right there's an other side to this what you're going through and you can get there yeah. Oh, yeah. I so, can't wait you. to read it. I can't <laughs> wait. wait. I really hope it. the fifth draft is the last one so that I, I can get so. my hands on an arc. <laughs> okay. Well, this has been, I have two more questions for you. Number okay. one, uh, I need some library advice for me personally. I have a large group of students, and I know you experience this everywhere, who are mm. addicted to Diary of a Wimpy Kid mm. or um, babysitters club graphic novels. Like they just have tunnel vision with those. Do I let them continue to check them out over and over again? Because I'm finding myself and see, this is like that self-awareness. Maybe I'm a little controlling, maybe the tiniest bit. I can't say for (laughs) sure. We'll ask my husband later. I'm sure he'll say no, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, this is what I always say, is it's like a best friend to them. That book Mm -hmm. is like a best friend to them in so many ways. And I think when we say you can't check this out again, that we're really in some ways saying you can't take your best friend. And I think Mm -hmm. for some kids, there's like, there's comfort with that. There's yes. it's, there's an emotional connection to it. I experience exactly what you're saying, but I would always encourage them. Like, let's tr- let's try. You please take take all of those things, but let's just try something else One and more. and yes. read just the first chapter or read the first page. And some most of the time they come back and say, "Yeah, I tried it, but it's just not for me." Uh, other times they would come back and say, "Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue with that." So honoring that you can check it out over and over again, but. <laughs> then also encouraging trying trying different things okay thank yeah. you i needed a brief but I always think talk. of it yeah i always think of it as like the best friend you know and yes. i think about like 
that, that there's a reason that pile keeps coming back to that book. For me, in fifth grade, the book that I would have been checking out over and over again would have been Matilda. And there was a oh, reason yes. I was checking it out all the time and reading it all the time. And eventually I stole my fifth grade teacher's copy of Matilda, <clears throat> which I write about in the Creativity Project. So there, there's a reason books go missing, I think. Oh, yes. I do have books that go missing all the time. Okay. Well, that's a good, good yeah. reminder because I think also I kind of go on this spectrum, right? Where I'm like really in that. And then I just probably, I don't know, maybe have a grumpy day. Who knows? Who knows? I'm yeah, no. yeah, no, but let them yeah. keep getting it, but keep encouraging as you are yes. to try other things. And yeah. that's exactly, we use the diet analogy, right? Like don't yeah. just eat yeah. rice all the time. Your digestive yeah. system's going to hate you, but yeah, yeah, they, I, I probably need to unclench the fists a little bit. <laughs> wow, this makes me sound like a really great librarian. No, it doesn't. You're wonderful. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Okay, last question, which I stole from you uh, oh. from your blog, Watch, Connect, Read, which is so helpful. And next time oh, we talk, you. I'm already forecasting ahead, but next time we talk, I'm going to want tips on how you keep up with everything. Well, actually, I'm not keeping up with it, right? I feel oh. I feel like, well, I, 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 you can tell, like, when I have a lot of blog posts, that means yeah. I'm in between a revision. Oh, got it. <laughs> and then okay. when I start revising, I have to like not do anything else. So yeah. Okay. So I will, I will, my blog will start being active again next week and been super, super active during January because I had turned in the fourth draft in uh, January. Yes, so yes, yes. It, it's all around uh, writing. Okay. <laughs> that makes stuff. me feel sorry, better. Sorry. No, yes, no, yes. that's, that's good. <laughs> but what I loved is in your back and forth, the last question is, Mr. Shu, you should have asked me. So yeah. I'm going to ask you, Julie, you should have asked me <laughs> what? Well, yeah, you should have asked me what book turned me into a reader when I was a child. Ooh, and if you had asked me that, I would have said the book that really turned me into a reader, I believe, is a book called Goofy's Big Race. And I, I know this is not being, we're not showing the video, but I have it right here always behind me. Yeah. It's Goofy's Big Race, number four, in the Walt Disney Fun to Read Library. And I love that inside of the book, it says this book belongs to Johnny Schumacher, oh. September 1986. And this is the book that, I mean, hugging it like Greta yes. uh, on the cover of This is the Story. This is like, this was my heart print book when I was a child. And I love that my heart print book was like a media property, right? Yes. Because I, I would read any book as a child that was based on a movie, that was based on a TV show. And here next to me, I always have a photo of me from the year 1988, where I'm in my bed listening to music and reading a book called Oliver and Company. And this photo also appears in my book, The Gift of Story. And this is what I always write to and who yeah. I always think about when I'm writing. That little boy on his bed with his cat reading a book based on a movie. Oh, you know, gosh, what an inspiring <laughs> way to think about that. I love that it was Goofy's Big Race. Uh, yeah, that reminds movie. me a little bit of one of my favorites was The Monster at the End of This Book. Oh, yeah, I love from that From Sesame book. Street. <laughs> <laughs> I actually ordered it for the library, and it still comes as a little golden book. And every time yeah, no, kids take well, it out. And in, in my former library, we had it uh, as a digital book. It was, it was oh, like a, it was fun. an app, and it was so interactive and fun. So I love that that book still sells, and kids are still familiar with it. Kids are not familiar with Goofy's Big Race, but I'm, I'm going to make them familiar by talking about it. I'm going to get myself a copy of Goofy's Big Race right after this. I can't wait. And I will say I will use it as a... 
I'll share it with the kids and I'll say, hey, I have this friend, Mr. <laughs> Shu, and this was the book he this loved. And they would be yeah. delighted to, to read it. Well, oh, thank you. Thanks. Thank you for this time. Oh, thank you so much. This was really fun. Oh, this was great. It helped me forget about my lung infection. So thank <laughs> Well, one, it brought me lots of joy, but two, <laughs> I forgot. I'm I fine said. with either. Absolutely. They're both. <laughs> thank good. you. Well, thanks thank so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Ask a Librarian. As always, it's my joy to share and learn with you. You can follow me on Instagram at Julie Writes Words, or you can go to my website, juliewritewords.com. There you'll find the show notes, including all the books mentioned in the episode. See you in the stacks next week. And until then, friends, never go anywhere without a book. 